It's the Tillcast episode 573, Risky Behavior. And this week, guys, we talk Yakuza Infinite Wealth, Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty, Why Enshrouded, and Persona 3. Stay tuned. Schoolgirls. Yeah. Oh, God, no. Oh, and we're oh, back. Why? We're back. Oh, God, why? <laughs> it is the Tillcast. It is the Tillcast. It's an M-rated show. I'm Nas. I'm Jason. I'm sleepy. I'm rusty. <laughs> and with the three of us, you're going to get about 30 minutes of bullshit. Bullshit. So, game some news. It is currently about 50 degrees outside, 3 o'clock on Sunday, February 4th, two days after Groundhog Day. 46 degrees in um, the Northlands. Yeah. The, uh, uh, the, Groundhog was like early spring. It's been spring. It's it's been fall spring for about a week here. It's been it's been fall spring pretty much the entire time. Like there was a like a, a snowstorm and that was it. That's um not not right for up here. Yeah, we had like two days worth of freezing rain and that was it. Well, we had like. This week, I got to take Lola out walking my little dog because, like, it was freaking 70 degrees outside. Wow. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. It, I was actually sweating outside. I was wearing t-shirt and shorts. I was going to wear... I'm not used to this shit. I'm not used to it. I want it to be cold. Like, that's the best time of year is when it's cold. Says some people. I, no, I'm into that, Rusty. I prefer it to be somewhere between um, 40 and 60 degrees, if it, 65 at the highest. If it was cold and it stayed sunny past 530, I'd be fine with it. I don't I don't well, like I don't like you it. You want to know how that early. happens? Oh. Get rid of fucking daylight savings time. Boom. Fixed. <laughs> yeah, they didn't pass that again last year. I know. Right. Shit. Why? Why do you keep fucking with my like? I work with people with my rhythm, man. I work with people out of Arizona, and it's always fucking confusing because they don't they don't celebrate. They don't. don't (laughs) There's there's no celebration. They don't they don't observe it, right? And so when it's daylight savings time, or which how does this work? When it's not when we spring forward, right? So I guess that's daylight savings time, right? Mm -hmm. They are two hours behind me, and when they're not, they're only an hour behind me. So they follow mountain time, and then they're an hour behind mountain time in spring. And then the only people that are like that. So, like, it's just That's always confusing. confusing. Yes, it is. Um, when I had multiple employees from there, it was super confusing because I did payroll. And you'd be like, oh, that that is the right time for them to come in. Okay, that makes sense <laughs> now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were here at 5 a.m. Okay, whatever. <laughs> That's just like, um. well, we, uh, whenever I had to... Uh, uh, convert time for uh, India standard time. That that also had that same problem. Is it like 14 hour difference? It's a 13 hour difference and a 14 hour difference depending on the time of year. Yeah, I work with, so, a, I work with a few hundred people from the Philippines. And so like when I'm in meetings, I always, they'll say good morning and I know they're 13 hours ahead of me. And then when we spring forward, they're, yeah, 
Anyways, 12 yeah. hours. Yes. Yeah, something like 12 that. 12 hours, 14 hours. I don't know. It's like a, it, it was a pain in the rear because I had to, uh, yeah, I, I always had to make sure that it was, that they knew that we were on the weird crooked time that is freaking daylight savings time instead of, you know, standard time. So it was, it was crazy. It's, 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 it's archaic and it needs to go away. Please. 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 It's it's stupid, unseasonably warm up here. All of the snow's almost gone, which makes it great for driving. Um I'm about to uh <laughs> I'm about to actually, you know, go set up the uh the outdoor range. You know, if we're not gonna get any more snow, I'm gonna set up the outdoor range so I can start uh expending some ammo. Man, I can't wait. It's gonna be great. Yeah, I need to go. I need to go uh, practice with mine as well. Yeah, it's 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 that time, man. I just need to. It, it'd be nice just to get out of work, you know, go out to the range, you know, go through a you know a clip or six, and uh, <laughs> go and through a hundred dollars. Yeah, and, and yeah, and just like burn a couple hundred bucks. Boom, done, easy. Uh, and then, uh, you know, but you know, you would prefer it dip back down into the fifties or the forties so that well, you don't, uh, exit the range with ball soup happening. Well, yeah. See, I, I just, most of the year in Oklahoma, I just cannot, I cannot stand like, I mean, all right. So 80 degrees is about the top end 70 degrees. It's still kind of, uh, it's it's still all right, you know, but 80 degrees, it has to have a breeze. Anything more than that is way too fucking hot. Uh, and right now, being 50 degrees and sunny, I looked outside today and I said, man, it's it's time. It, it, it looks beautiful out there. As long as it stays this way and it stays about this temperature, this would be perfect range time because I'm I'm out there in a hoodie. Uh, you know, it's, you know, it's not too cold, so I'm not like losing feeling in my fingertips, but it's not so hot that I'm like, God damn, sweating my balls off. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of want to have a little bit of numbness in the tip of your fingers when you're loading magazines anyway. Uh, so, (laughs) uh, so yeah, it's, yeah, it, that's, it, it's the, it's the time. I've got like maybe a week and a half before it actually gets into summertime. <laughs> I'm gonna go make the best of it. But yeah, I mean, outside of that, dude, it's been an, it's been a fucking it's it's been it's been a it's been a week, man. It's been a, it's been an entire week and a day, a week and a day. We yeah. recorded on Saturday last year, last week. Yeah, um, I haven't I haven't done anything really interesting other than play games. I mean, I I played I played video games and I worked. Uh, I don't know, man. It's been, it's it's been a hell of a week. Like, have you ever just like gotten off of work and been like, man, I'm fucking, you know, I'm just tired, fucking tired, and just you go, I'm gonna take a nap and then wake up two at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that's why I don't do that anymore. That shit happened to me twice this week. You think I'd learn my lesson? 
Yeah, there's, I, a, there's a lot of memes about that, about going to work and playing like alarm roulette and just you just leave it with – you just go with God, right? Go with God. <laughs> you see what happens. It's ri- God. some risky behavior right there. Yeah, it is. It's – well, I mean, I figure it's <laughs> – if I – you know, if I lay down for a nap and I, you know, and I end up making it asleep, uh, and uh, <laughs> and that nap starts at like seven o'clock at night, and I wake up at two o'clock in the morning. I mean, I'm either gonna be really rested, or I'm gonna wake up real fucking early and start my, you know, start job a couple hours early. Um, I mean, if I if I can do that, but I don't have that option anymore. I, I, uh, yeah, well, I, I didn't have the option of starting early, so I ended up having a 13 hour, you know, it's weird for, you know, it's weird for me because my local time, all meetings, so all corporate business happens between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. And you can work whatever hours include also those hours. So I could start as late as 10 if I wanted to, if I want to get off at seven o'clock at night, um, or I could start at eight so I can get off at five, right? And then just kind of like get as close to those hours as possible. And I really can't leave at four very often because that's the hour after all the meetings stop. And so then that's when people are catching up with last minute things. And so that's when people reach out to me for those last minute things is that hour after all of the meetings. But there's like a – it's not really unwritten but kind of unwritten rule. There's no meetings before 10. There's no meetings after 4 unless it's a personal meeting with somebody. Yeah. So all of uh, those I, meetings that I attend are always in that block and sometimes that also includes lunch. That's uh, that's that's very, very cute. Um, I, we have we have a very unwritten rule. There is nothing happens before 9 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Everybody starts at 8 but nothing happens before 9 o'clock. <laughs> Yeah, for us, I mean, you never know. Like if you're if you're in mountain time or say like in you know, West Coast time, like the people we have, the handful of people we have living on the West Coast that work for our company, at least for the corporate office that I work for, mm-hmm. like eight o'clock my time is six o'clock their time. So ten o'clock is eight o'clock their time. Yeah. And that's and why nothing so, happens before ten. Right. And so like a couple of the like VPs work on the West Coast and like you're not getting shit done with them at like six o'clock AM their time. Like nope. and I wouldn't no. expect that. And I wouldn't want them to do that to me either. But like by contrast, if you live on the West Coast, that means that nothing starts till eleven AM your time, which sucks. Well, you know, that's what's what happens when you have a you know a big ass company uh, company that spans the uh you know spans multiple it, time zones, right? Right, and all the people that work overseas all work overnights or on weird schedules but to match up. So because of how my business works, right, it's, it's customer-based. So right. those uh, – long story short, like those people I work with in the Philippines are working like crazy hours. And then I work with a lot of people in like Central America and South America and Mexico and they're all on our time zone. So that's, like, that's no big deal. Um, but right. then I've worked some people in Africa, and that's a way different. I can never remember that time zone. It's completely <laughs> different. You just you just have a uh, like a conversion chart somewhere. I just had. I hope everybody's having a great day. I just leave it at that because I'm not fucking <laughs> doing that conversion slash night slash evening slash morning. I, <laughs> yeah, wherever you are in the world, if it's four, if it's five o'clock, please crack a beer. Uh, yeah, you know. Please. 
Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, it's 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 just a it's a, it's just crazy crazy shit. Like getting older, you talk a lot more about work. But man, I I've been uh, eight hours ahead of us. That's what it is. Eight hours ahead of eight, me. Eight hours, Jesus. Seven. I don't know, years. man. Um, I don't know about you, but man, I try to uh, I try to completely fucking forget about work as much as possible as soon as as soon as I leave. It's not always possible because, well, the boss keeps pinging me after hours, and you know I have this dumb watch that's uh, that vibrates every time he does. Um, so when I want to sit down and I fucking play video games, I rip the watch off, throw it across the room. Got Apple Care, it's fine. Uh, and uh, and uh, I, I just kick back, relax, and uh, play some video games. And holy shit, man! We've uh, both the played a lot of video you, games. Yeah, that that game that you uh, that you recommended to me last week. It has consumed your life. It has. I, I forty six hours into it in a fucking week, dude. I. So, what basically happened is we talked a little bit about Enshrouded last week because we yeah. were both checking it out because Pal World kind of exhausted our time. Needs more time in the oven. And then Entrouded came out. And so my take on Entrouded, and I'll give more thoughts after you kind of give your full review so far in early access, is that I got pretty far. And then I was like, you know what? They're going to add more stuff. And I can tell I only explored a small portion of this map, even though, like, I'm near the end tier of whatever's available, or at least it seems is available for my stuff. I'm going to put it aside because now I kind of know some tips and tricks on how to get started to get going good. But I, I feel like another experience would be different than my current experience. Yeah. Um, so what's the, I, I what's the final little bit different? What, uh, you can kind of reroll however you want. I was using a magic user. Basically I started off melee and then went magic. What did you end up doing? Uh, I started off melee and went ranged, uh, so bow and arrow. I like the so it has this cool system for so if you're on keyboard, you just hit Q, and you can pull up your ranged weapon, and then you let and then all the controls for the ranged weapon as long as you hold down Q, and you let up, it takes you back to sword and board, which is really convenient for me because I was wand and board, I guess, most of the time because my wands did crazy damage. And uh, then I'd flip over to my magic. And so I'd go back and forth, like, big magic for big hits and multiple hits with multiple creatures and then and then utility and then switch to wand and shield for when everybody was attacking me. Like, by where I'm at right now, like, my mana bar, like, a basic mana bar will let you shoot, like, two spells. Like, my mana bar would let me shoot, like, 15 spells before it needed to recharge. My wands recharged my mana, so it wasn't that big a deal. Damn, I they uh, spent a lot of time making arrows. <laughs> so yeah, it's I played it a little bit differently than you did, um, but I played a whole lot more of it than you did. I think does does it just stop? Well, uh, kind of. So there's uh, there is a point where you'll end up getting. Um, a quest called the uh, the greatest game. Uh, 
which is basically the end condition. Um, it sends you to basically cl uh, clear out a camp in uh, clamp a camp of you know scavengers in uh, uh, in a spot where you can only get get to if you have the highest level of flame. Uh, so the the largest protection basically you've up upgraded everything. Yeah, uh, I'm on the level right below that because I got into something called Deadly Shroud. I was like, didn't I upgrade my thing a lot? And I was like, oh yeah, I don't have this mint something or other that I needed to upgrade my flame. Right. Yeah, well, I upgraded the flame to the maximum flame. I completed all of the quests that uh, was you know given to me by all of the crafters. Uh, and... You know, I've explored all of the areas that you can explore so far. And that that's saying something. So there's um, level max is 25. Um, and there is an entire one third of the map that you can't get to because it's, you know, artificially blocked off. And that is for sure, like future content. Right, that's that's stuff that they want to add later on. The map's pretty big. It's huge. It it's takes quite a huge. It takes quite a while to trek across a map. And I mean, like, I put forty six hours into the game, um, but, and I was by no means slow playing it. I was, you know, I kind of knew what I wanted to do. Didn't spend a whole lot of time building. I just was very utilitarian as far as my base was concerned. Did, did you just big, build a huge box like I did? I built one long house, basically, for all of my comfort items. And then I built, um, I built three small outbuildings <laughs> so that I could stuff the, uh, uh, you know, the crafter dudes and their gadgets and shit in, in these outbuildings. Did you do finally get the magic chests? Yes, I did get the magic chests, which made things a whole lot easier. And the magic chests were the things we were talking about, you know, last week was like, I wish they would, you know, have storage that's available to all the little crafting stations it's without just, having to, like, go sort shit out and stuff. It's, yeah, it's just a higher tier box. It's funny how they, like, lock stuff behind tiers, but it seems a little bit goofy to do that. Like, I almost feel like that should have been from the get go. And then they just gave you larger storage as you go. Yeah, but it's, you get so much of the materials you need for those boxes that it wasn't that big a deal. Once I unlocked it, it's like, oh, shit, I can make like 40 of these. Right. Oh, and it, it just turned out to be, you know, it's got better progression than, say, a PAL world. So in in this way, um, PAL world takes a lot of its cues from ARC as far as its skill tree and how how you end up building shit um and uh enshrouded takes a lot of its its building path um uh, it takes its uh its cues from something like valheim where it's you know based off of a quest or it's based off of you collecting a specific kind of item then you can then you learn the recipes that use that item yeah and it, it does something weird where like 
as you progress the crafters that you collect. So you free these people, right? And then these crafters give you quests that kind of unlock the next tiers of that stuff. And that's how your gear progression works. Right. And there is a bit of a, uh, there's, there's a bit of some wonkiness and some, uh, some balance issues that, uh, that I would suggest for, uh, for enshrouded. Uh, it felt like the, uh, the bronze tier was, uh, unnecessarily punishing um for what you'd get out of it uh copper wasn't so bad uh basically everything up to bronze was uh was perfectly fine bronze felt wonky and then after you got past bronze you get into the iron uh iron stuff and that felt normal again so something about <clears throat> bronze they just need to you know to work out and I know there I mean bronze is basically tin plus copper, right? So you mix the two. It just felt like because copper was the previous tier and tin was kind of harder to find. You and that just it didn't feel quite right. And, and I never also, I never needed much of the ore because I went pure magic. Mm, Some of my stuff uh, was gated so, by metal at all. So that was, it would have been a completely different, you know, gear uh, progression for you. You would have been um, like at I would, the highest tier of, you know, of the cloth armor. You would have been sitting there doing uh, fabric and fabric also felt wonky because yeah, a little bit. You I needed a lot of flax. Yeah. And it, so I started a farm. The farm growing's a little bit wonky, right? Like you use a seed press or something like that, right? And you get a seed out of these materials and it gives you some plants to plant. And so you plant these plants and now I can have like five for one, but I got to wait for a day. So like I basically just had a seed of a field of flax to get all my linen needs all the time. So it was just like I would do use every piece but one from every stack, right? So I'd get five but use one to recreate you know just back and forth back and forth until i had a field of flax and then i ended up having to harvest that like four or five times before i had all the linen i needed for all of my stuff yeah and it, it was it's not hardly it's not very common like i'd go out for an hour or two and i'd find like four flax plants and i was just like damn that was like yeah. literally the only thing i was like this is the only thing i'm gonna pick up it's just flax I'd have an empty bag still. It's like, well, I guess I'm going to explore some more. But then that means my flax isn't growing. But then I need, I'm too far away from a fast travel point. So this is going to take me forever. Mm. So I'm just going to keep, I'm going to go as far as I can and then make a little flame here for this corner of the map that I'm on. And then I'll just, and that's what my sub bases ended up being was literally just a flame so I could fast travel to it. Right. I ended up doing and that I, too. A lot. And I'd. I feel like the fast travel towers, there needed to be a few more of them so that you could, you didn't spend like 10 or 20 minutes traveling to something um, because the map is pretty big. My my biggest thing is that the building felt unnecessary. Um, the building is, it did, did feel kind of tacked on. If, if there was something that was added to it, um, like a base defense. Like, for instance, Valheim, you ended up building stuff, but you also had to defend your base, right? Right. So and so you had to build, like, fences. To the, 
yeah, you needed to put up walls. You needed to make sure that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, there was traps or, you know, a moat or something that would prevent, you know, you know, <laughs> monsters just randomly yeah. walking into your shit. Like a, a um, an army of trolls from like destroying all of your stuff. Yeah. And I think that was actually fairly, you know, that was a smart thing for Valheim to do because it adds a little bit extra, you know, if you're just sitting there and, and, uh, in your base crafting, you can have something like that happen, and it forces you to engage with the world instead of being like, you know, fa- you know, head down. I just need to craft a fuckload of bars, you know. Yeah, it gave you a reason to be at your base from time to time. Like there, I don't. There wasn't fast travel in Valheim, was there? Not really. Uh, I think there's some kind of like towards the end of it. There's some fast travel, but it's not. It's pretty uncommon. Yeah, you ended up having uh, portals. Yeah, that's portals right. Down. There was portals. And I th- I th- don't have a problem with the fast travel, but like just like you said, there's not a real reason to defend your home. And so there's not a whole lot of reason besides the huge rest bonus you get from decorating. Mm-hmm. Like we got to like 39 minutes on my game of rest bonus, which was extra stamina and extra health, right? Which is a huge buff. So 50 when I finished. So you definitely got higher tier than I did, but like I, you know, throw all the animal he- or creature heads all over my base, look like a weird hodgepodge taxidermy shop by the end. But the, uh, I didn't stop playing because it stopped being fun. I stopped playing because I was like, okay, this is a huge time investment. And I'm going to want to play it again. And right. I know enough about what it is. I know the world's going to change some. I don't know how much. But I do like the direction they're going with this. And I really like the whole get in the shroud thing. There's an element of danger with like – so every – like the low-lying areas have that shroud, which means you have to travel through those, which – and you can't see the path very well when you're in there. You don't know if that path ends up outside of the shroud. So it's like how long am I going to engage this? I kind of need to mentally map where things are at. Um, because if I go off the path too far, like I could end up dying in the shroud. And if you die in the shroud, you, well, you can't fast travel out of it, which is actually kind of cool. So it, it kind of forces you to, it's, it's, it ups the stakes of being in there and that there's shroud in between everything. Right. So it's really hard to get past it. Right. So it forces you to have an element of danger to your travel. Um, and when I was traveling, when I was lower level, so like level, I don't know, like 12 or 13, right. I got a little bit further North and the enemies were just like fucking destroying me. Right. And, uh, like it added a whole other element. Like it, it's really dark in that game too. When it's night, it's like night. So like I created this potion that was a light potion because fighting with a torch wasn't great because you can throw the torch down. I don't know if you knew that. But you can throw the torch down and then fight around the torch so that you could see what was going on. But, like, when it's dark, all you see is the monster eyes, basically. Um, or if a creature has a torch or, you know, an, an, mm-hmm. a, a, a human enemy has a torch or something, like, you'll see that. But the lighting system's really well done for not being ray traced. Right. Um, well, it's... It, it's the a, game looks great, it's actually, a, for like, what it is. It's one of the best looking voxel games I've seen ever. And it's on a and custom energy. Yeah, it doesn't look like a voxel game at all. No, it just looks like a little bit lower polygonal 3D game. Right. It's it's got some, you know, it it's got very good bones. You know, that is the that's the thing. This starts out 
you know, you know, it's it's a fully functional game as it is. You can have a whole lot of fun with it the way it is right now. Um, it kind of it kind of has an open ending because it doesn't have a win condition. Like you don't get to see credits roll or anything like that. There is no end boss because it's very early access. Um, yeah, it just came out last know, month. Right. So you you know I I say that I got to the win condition by you know you know getting through the you know the quest called the greatest game, which I I felt was I mean you don't get anything but a you know access to a chest at the end of it. It's just like the quest that they put in there to be like, and this is it, you know? (laughs) Um, Like, I don't remember how much it costs, but like 20 something dollars. Yeah, it was, it was something like that. It's definitely worth it. If you're, um, uh, if you like a, you know, a decent survival game, if you like Valheim, I would say it, it feels a lot more like a, you know, a quicker, um, a quicker Valheim. Now Valheim has its own thing, like being fully random gen and having like a you know a true exploration element to it. Like it that you end up like having to feel out the world and you know and build around it, right? Yeah, I've um, got I this, got one of my Valheim bros playing it and he's been playing it nonstop for about a week so far. Yeah, this this one's more uh more of a tailored experience, but it's I feel like too that it's the people that don't like it are the ones that are running it on servers. Um but it feels more tuned for single player. Like if this I don't know how you do a co-op experience real well with this to be honest with you. Well, and, and the, early on because of because of the early accessness of it, I guess. Uh I had heard that uh, people who were playing it on servers, they all shared the same quest progression. So the server had a quest state in it, and anybody could do the quests and on the server. Out. And yeah, you would just get, end up getting, you know, anybody that didn't do the quests would end up like missing out on the that, that XP, which is pretty substantial for those quests. So, um, yeah, I mean, you would completely miss out on, you know, big chunks of the story if if you were playing on uh on a server. So, I played it all single player, you know, and it, it's pretty well tuned for single player though. And I again, I really like the handcraftedness of that map. Like there's a, a lot of good world building with what's going on within that world with what's yes. there already. Like it's a very solid like four out of five game without them ever touching it again. Right. And, and just knowing that they have the potential of like fleshing things out, getting, you know, having more interaction, you know, if there was, you know, there's a lot of little shit that's, you know, that's in that game. That's just subtle. Uh, you know, I, for instance, I, I ran into a, a situation where, there was a um uh, a ruin that was basically mounded with sand and i said you know what i'm going to try i'm, I'm going to dig and see what happens and i was digging and i found a set of stairs 
Oh, I like and that they, part. Like, there's a lot of stuff where you've got, um, like rubble, and if you see the yeah. rubble, like you can usually dig through it with your pickaxe. Right, and I did. I did that. I was I d- dug through the rubble, or dug through the the sand, got down to a point where I could see stairs, and then it finally opened up, and it was a whole ass dungeon down there with a fucking you know with a chest and everything. Yeah, um, I like the. There's a one particular. You could call it a level, but like there's a whole city that's enshrouded in big chunks of it, and I really mm-hmm. liked the exploration in that because it kind of made you think vertically because there's parts of it that are not in shroud. So like that's your safe point, but there's also like a fuckload of monsters in there. Right, and then the right, end boss yeah. for that is like a fucking dragon, um, right. which was not easy. Um, that was a very difficult fight, like a whole lot of dodging. Um, I do like the, the dodge mechanic in there. Um, a whole lot of ad control that you had to worry about, like, it was a very difficult fight, and I think I tried it four times before I beat it. I, I, uh, I, I crushed it in the first try, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we were playing vastly different characters, so, um, I could take two hits before I was dead. Well, I, I, uh, well, you can hump its leg and it won't hit, it won't be able to hit you, which is one of the re, one of the things that I noticed about some of the big creatures. Oh, I if didn't you, notice uh, that. If you got real close to them, they had a really hard time hitting you. Um. So yeah, I, it's I not just took, it's not just collision damage either. Like people can miss you when they're hitting us. Like if you go and hump somebody, if you're like right behind somebody, they're not hitting you unless they're actually hitting you with their weapon. Right. So it's. There is a couple things that, like I said, these are balance issues. These are things that, you know, that can be improved with the enemy AI. Uh, There's. Yeah, there's a few pathing issues with that. I noticed some of the guys like humping a hill that couldn't quite get to me. Right. So I just used my wand and destroyed them over like the course of a minute, even though they're like five levels higher than me. Right. Or if you're in a. uh, uh, in a raised vertical position, like they they will just sit there and stare at you, like just within wand range. So, <laughs> I mean, I did carry a wand, even though I was, a, you know, an it's archer, free, basically. It's free range damage. It's exactly that. It's like, it's damn near infinite ammo. So I was like, all right, well, if you're going to stand there, I'm just going to ping away at you with my little fucking yeah. electric wand. I used uh <laughs> Carried a fuckload of spells, but I also had three separate wands for two fire wands because everything seemed to hate fire for the most part, except for humans, and then an ice wand um, for he- certain humans that weren't susceptible to fire. Right. Um, it's and I'm a fire fire ice wizard. Well, I, I would have, you know, I was thinking hitting about for, hitting for five hundred with wand hits. Damn. 500? Yeah. Jesus. And then my uh, big explosive fire spell hits for like 900. Jesus. Okay, well, damn. Magic hits hard, but you're squishy as Uh, fuck. Right, well. And that was like, that's level 22, I think, is where I'm at. Yeah, that's that's nutty. Like, I'm not on the final tier either, so like, magic hits like a truck. It's just my character, I don't got a lot of health buffs. Right, and then my armor doesn't deflect shit except for magic damage. So, like, I cannot right. take a hit, but 
I, you know, roly poly all over the place and use my wand. <laughs> Which roly poly. So in Shrouded, if you're looking for a single player survival game, as it is right now, out of the box, or the, the digital box, right? Right. Um, it's good. And I can't wait to see the full release on this. But for early access, like, this blows the doors off Pal World right now. And I'm not saying that to be contrarian. It's just Pal World happened to get really popular. We had some fun with it. It needs a lot more time in the oven than Entrouted does. And when you give me more better objectives, better <laughs> map points, right? Um, better pathing, better AI, better tuning. Like, Pal World has a lot of potential. But, like, the Entrouted is... If you're looking for something a little bit better survival mechanics, it doesn't have a – like I like the fact that it doesn't have a hunger meter. It's just buffs. But if you're looking for something new to Valheim, since Valheim has been in early access for like five years, um, try out Enshrouded. I could see them being done with this in like a year and it would be a fantastic product. Yeah, it's – yeah, it's got a bright future as long as – you know, as long as they take their uh, – um, their – you know the uh, the money that they're making from uh, from early access funnel it back into you know into this game. They can they definitely will have uh, uh, a good product on their hands. Well, it was like um, the number two survival game. Like it sold a million copies. It didn't, which is good, right? Um, it's not I mean, it's not nineteen million players like Pal World, but because that got internet famous too. But it's it's doing pretty good. Yeah, uh, it's it's not going to get. I don't think it's going to get um, near, it, nearly the recognition it deserves. Um, it will here. Yeah, it's it's definitely you know worth watching for sure. Uh, switching gears a little bit, Jason, you've been quiet for a minute. Did you play anything new over the last week or so? Nope, I'm a boring motherfucker. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just haven't had a whole lot of time. Well, you were really sick this too last week, and uh, no, your I, wife was really sick. My wife was really sick, so I kind of had to do all the parenting. And then you were sick last, last weekend, week. so like, yep. Well, in light so, of that, I've just been a combo of fuck for two weeks. Wonderful. I will tell you, like, I didn't know what to play because so I beat Phantom Liberty um, a few days ago. And uh got to say, like, that's almost as long as the main game. When I say that, like, almost 30 hours, right? Like a typical, I call it a run, like a typical game of Cyberpunk will take me about 50 hours because I've now beat it thrice. Um, <laughs> and I've got like 130 hours in it now. But um, it takes about 14 hours to get to this the Phantom Liberty story. Some things I will say. So I didn't want to, you have the option of just playing Phantom Liberty, which you could totally do. Um, it adds different, like four different endings to the game because it changes what happens. And I won't spoil that for you. I'm pretty sure I got the bad ending. I can talk about it offline. But um, you go all the, you follow the, uh, what's the female Nutrunner's name? I never remember. Purple Hell oh, Girl. You follow Purple Hell Hair Girl, the girl that introduced you to the brain dances, right? Uh, Judy. Judy. So you follow her quest line all the way to the point of like going to the voodoo, the voodoo area, right? In Pacifica. Once you get past the whole voodoo thing and the black wall thing, then it opens up um, Phantom Liberty. Didn't quite know that, but I 
was basically just following her quest. The way I normally play it is I'll follow the quests all to a certain stopping point before I kind of make a decision on what I want to do. And I didn't play a lot of the side content, so I kind of mainlined most of that, plus a little bit of side content to get my character some money and some cyberware for about 14 hours. And then I jumped straight into um, Phantom Liberty, which took me another 25 or so hours after that. Um, and then it had an option of like finishing it up basically. Right. So I did. Um, and then it, that ended the game, which was depressing as fuck. Like that was the most depressing ending I could have had, honestly, I, you know, but it is, it is an ending. Um, but the moment to moment gameplay and Phantom Liberty in Dogtown is pretty good. The, uh, verticality of the area is really large. It's deceptively large, um, because it's multi-tiered. So the rest of... Um, cyberpunk, right? Like there's some little bit of verticality to the buildings, right? Like two and three stories up and down, but there's not a whole lot of going inside a place and exploring it. Whereas Dogtown, there's a whole lot of going inside of a place and exploring it and it's several floors. And so they pad out the area by giving you essentially a lot of areas to explore that are very vertical. Um, overall, um, it's pretty damn good. Like it's very high quality content. I do not regret spending the $30 on that extra content. I was really wore out by cyberpunk though. Cause I beat it about April of last year. Right. And so I kind of got back into it and it's, you know, it's a pretty long game. So I was, there was a little bit of cyberpunk fatigue that had set in, but I played a different style of character. Um, I wasn't playing a net runner. I was playing somebody that was in the reflex tree, which is basically the dex tree for cyberpunk. And so I did that uh, mixed with technical ability, which gave me better access and more mods that I could put on my character. And uh, didn't do a lot of quick hacking. I used the sand division thing so that I could slow time and like deflect bullets and dodge in and out between people, cutting them apart with my katana, which was literally the first katana I got in the game. It's part of the DLC stuff, and I just upgraded the fuck out of it. Um, that and the Fenrir submachine gun, which I forgot what quest you get that with, but it's just drills enemies. Um, did a lot of like sliding around. And when you aim in that tree, like everything slows down to like a quarter speed. So you can, as long as you're aiming your gun, when you're sliding, um, you're not, it's, it's slowing it down. So you can like focus headshots with an SMG while you're sliding and then you're not getting hit, which is crazy. Um, so I destroyed that DLC pretty hard. Um, Really liked the story, really liked the setup, really liked the places it took it. It's very story-based, um, and the quests within it are pretty neat. Um, I don't know. It's, it's I rate it pretty high. It was a good experience. I'm glad I got it done. Like, four and a half stars out of five, like, super good. Um, but then after that, I was like, I don't know what the fuck to do. Like, I've been playing Entrouded, but I don't know that I want to play more Entrouded because I want to play a full experience later. Power World, same thing, right? Like, I was just like, I'm going to let it lie. I know what I'm doing now, more or less. I'll let it lie till I play this again. And so I downloaded Dark Souls 3. <laughs> Played that for a minute, and I was like, I don't know that I really want to play this. This is a this is like a 100-hour commitment. And so I put it down. Started to play Dragon's Dogma. And I was like, nope, not going to do that right now. Like, I might, but there's other things out right now that I need to play. And we got to talking on our game night um, about recommendations and Musum 
from picking up pixels was over here and we were talking and he was like, well, should play one of the Persona games like Persona 3 Reloaded came out and I looked and I was like, oh yeah, it's on Game Pass. I'll download it. Which you guys know me. I don't waifu anything. <laughs> I was um, wondering. I don't I was, waifu shit. I was shit. wondering when that was going to come. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't waifu. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this a try, right? Like, there's a lot of turn-based combat. Um, we'll give this a solid try. And uh, that is a different kind of game. So, I do like parts of it. I think it might grab me, but I'll explain what I don't like versus what I like. What I don't like. So, there's a whole period of time that you start off. The, the setup for the game is it takes about three hours to get rolling, which is a whole bunch of, like, cut scenes of people talking. Um, and the story's interesting more or less, right? But you're a high school student that transfers over and then you can see all the dead things at the uh, magic hour or whatever that is. Anytime between 12 and 1, there's a whole like 25th hour. And so you can see all the dead things. And then at some point you decide, you can you discover that you can shoot yourself in the head and summon like demons, which is weird, right? That's how all the summons start. Shoot yourself in the head. Blow your brains out, summon demons, and attack. Um, kind of a cool concept. I will say, wow. like, they really redid the graphics. They cel-shaded the shit out of it. And it looks really sharp. Like, they've got a whole bunch of anime cutscenes too. But during the day, you've got to build relationships with everybody uh, in a high school simulator, which means uh, you got to talk to people and go press buttons and choose text prompts to build up your affinities for courage, athletics, and uh, courage, athletics, and intelligence, Ugh. or academia. Ugh. And you do activities, but all those activities really mean is choose two or three prompts while you're with said person, watch a dialogue box, and then move on. Or I can go do a job to make some money, um, which could raise some of those attributes as well, which really means go to point on map, click a couple of buttons, watch some quick cutscenes, and it's done. So there's like these series of like really short cutscenes. Like I'm boiling that being extremely reductive, right? But like thinking about the gamer element of it. So for vast periods of time, you go through clicking through button prompts to raise these meters. And then like you go to school and there's like this quick cutscene of the class where they'll ask a question and you either really actually know the question, answer to the question or you don't. It's very rare that you have any outside information to understand what's going on. Maybe this gets better over time because now I have access to the internet and I can study. But like there were some math questions I got right and then there were some history questions I didn't because I just didn't know the history. But they'll ask the question. If you get it right, you can get an extra academic point or you can sleep in class and that'll get you courage points. So, like, I'm very tempted to sleep in class and then study all the time so I get academic points without having to know the schoolwork. Um, and then you go to this Endless Dungeon. The Endless Dungeon is actually pretty neat. It's a series of, like, I got to a point where I had to stop. And it's a good game for me to, like, talk to my girlfriend over the phone because, like, if I get to the Endless Dungeon, I can spend an hour or two in the Endless Dungeon grinding away experience for my characters, gathering new demons, and... Fighting And it's all turn-based combat where everything has an elemental weakness and you don't know what the elemental weakness is until you trigger it, right? And it could be something as easy as like a basic attack or it could be like dark damage or something, right, that causes it to stun. And you don't get very many items that recharge your mana pool. 
And so you have some abilities that drain from your health pool. And it's a lot easier to get items that recharge your health. And so for me, the one of the ways to stay in that meta is to find the demons that use a lot of the common abilities out of your health pool because then you can recharge your health pool with items you can buy in the real world. So that's one of the strategies I'm using with it right now. And so the moment-to-moment mm-hmm. gameplay inside the dungeon is pretty neat. Um, it's a turn-based battle where, you know, if you can stun all the monsters, then you get like a group attack and then your group attack gets better if you form stronger bombs of those people in real life. Um, and yeah, like um, there's some parts that are pretty tone deaf. Like there's a dude that's trying to get hook up with his teacher and he's like 16. And I was like, oh, that sounds really fucking wrong. <laughs> I hope they don't follow through this in this game, but it's anime. So who the fuck knows? Um. But, I mean, I got it for the price of Game Pass, so, like, I'm probably going to see this through. Um, but, yeah, it's a weird game. I don't I don't have a rating for it yet. Um, I will later. I've I always to... wondered whether uh, – how you would uh, – how you would deal with uh, with the Persona games because I couldn't – I could never get into them. I could I'm not never a high get into the, like, the – the relationship portion of it. I fucking hated it. I'm 41 years old. I could give a fuck. I don't care what these girls look like. That feels gross to me. <laughs> um, even though I'm role-playing as a 16-year-old boy, like, that's the weirdest part of it. I'm role-playing as a 16-year-old boy. I'm not a 16-year-old boy. I'm a 41-year-old man. So my guy's basically just asexual at this point. <laughs> um, he doesn't give a fuck. He didn't know what – he didn't know how to use his PP. He's <laughs> – um, <laughs> it just feels weird. He has no game. Weird. He does. He doesn't. He doesn't care about game. He just cares about killing monsters. <laughs> and he shoots himself uh, in the head every night at, at midnight. Oh, several times a night. Like he's blowing his brains out over and over again. Um, and this is what this is what happens when a forty-year-old becomes eighteen again. He forgets how to use his fuck stick. Well, oh, I intentionally forget because it feels disgusting. So, anywho, um, so I played a little bit of that. And then, of course, I get into another Japanese as fuck game playing uh, Yakuza Infinite Wealth right now. So I did buy that at full price. I had, I had several choices, right? Like I could play that or I could play Suicide Squad just came out. And I realized that Suicide Squad is a life service game of the same five activities over and over again and is tuned more for multiplayer. And again, live service, so events and things to do later. And I was mm-hmm. like, uh, I love Rocksteady. I don't love this idea. Um, maybe when it goes on a deep discount, but I'm not. Even I, the Green Man Gaming, if you're interested, you can get it for like 18% off. So if you really want that $70 game, you can get it for like $51 or something. Negative. So um, anywho. I don't I, need another live service. I don't yeah. either. I don't need another Destiny, especially one that doesn't even have that much content. So I decided to skip that altogether and go with Yakuza because I did like the last one. I liked Like a Dragon quite a bit, even though I didn't quite finish it. Um, it's a really long game. And I had other really long games I was more interested in at the time. But again, going to a japanese as fuck game. Um, the thing I do like about um, – let's just start with the premise, right? Ichiban is uh, 40 plus. He was 40 plus in the last game. All his friends are in his 40s. It feels a lot more relatable to me. I'm not Japanese, don't understand Japanese culture that well, but at least the character more or less I pretty much relate to, right? Like he uh, – he's just – he's a dude. 
um, <laughs> that's uh, closer to our age demographic, right? And uh, anywho, it starts you off in the same city that you start off from before. Um, I can't remember what city it is, but some small city in Japan. And you start off in the job application office. Now you basically run it. And then I won't say what series of events happen, but basically you get blackmailed and out of a job again and essentially homeless again, like your job changes to like homeless. So then, you know, your ways of making money are like scavenging next to vending machines and looking next to cars for loose change and everything else. But that whole setup of all those things from Japan, because everybody knows it starts in Hawaii. Like all the cutscenes you say, see are don't even start till five and a half hours into the game. I picked this up yesterday and it took me till late last night to get to a point where I was playing the game proper, meaning that it kind of unleashed me on the world and wanted to stop introducing me to new systems. Um, like I've just started playing that point of the game now. So like that initial stretch, there's a lot of story going on. I, I think it's all high quality, but I was looking for get to the point where I can fuck around with this game a little bit, right? And, and play the big game. But it, like it just keeps pushing you into the story before you get to these side quests. And I just got to the point where I'm starting to get side quests and I don't have to focus on just the story. What I will say, like, it does a lot of things really, really smartly. I think the combat's better tuned than it was before. Um, I, I haven't gotten to the point where I can switch jobs yet. Like, I'm still so early in the game, even at, like, almost seven hours. Like, I barely have anything beyond starter weapons for my characters. Um, but... um. It has a big emphasis on using the environment for combat so that you can save your magic points essentially for better attacks. And it does a really good job with the story in a way that it didn't do before. I didn't realize how poor he was before because everything was in yen. And in my brain, I didn't understand like, you know, that 100 yen wasn't anything. Right. So like. It's like 10 cents. So like. like that. Yeah, so like I get over to America um and you know I still have my money and I thought I had a lot of money. It turns out I had like $100. So like I'm starting over in Hawaii right now, right? Without going through the details. You basically start over in Hawaii. And I have like 100 bucks and I thought I had a lot of money. No, I don't. I don't have hardly any money. So I'm they've got like super video gamey bullshit that I like. Um what was that uh do you remember playing Shinmu? Did anybody here play Shinmu twenty years ago? Oh God! Um, oh, I don't was, even remember if I did. That was a that was an entire age ago, dude. <laughs> so Shinmu was like a Japanese life simulator where you're a guy that knew martial arts, right? Yeah. And it had a lot of like side activities that were essentially quick time events. And one of the first games to ever do that stuff. Stack books. Yeah. It's not that bad, but in. In framing, it feels kind of like Shinmu. It's this game where you're following this main story, right? And trying to build this guy up into from nothing to something again. But it does has a lot of RPG mechanics with the combat, right? Non-traditional classes that borrow from traditional fantasy tropes, but they're different, right? Like the homeless like have their own attacks. Um, there's different levels of homeless people that you can that attack you. Um, different levels wow. of thugs that like different classes of thugs, right? Like they transform from like normal street people into like 
kind of like fantasy tropes. It doesn't take itself very seriously in like the world around you, but the story takes itself super seriously. Like this is some, like I literally saw a guy get crucified. Like it gets really dark in certain places. Wow. Um, but it's also like super lighthearted around it. Like one of the jobs I got is I'm a, I can pick up a job as a food delivery guy on a bike and it gets like crazy taxi level of arcadeness where you, the street is lined with like burgers and pizzas and like sushi and all sorts of shit. And you do bike tricks to collect all this food. And then there'll be people and they'll have an icon of that food next to them. And the more tricks you do, the better your tip is. And so you're like doing barrel rolls and side flips and all sorts of stuff with your bike. And you got a timer and based on what you picked up and how you like stop your landing next to that guy is like what your tip is because you're like a, it's like crazy delivery or something like that. It's stupid as hell, but it's, it's super fun <laughs> and goofy and lighthearted. And I like that. Right. Um, but yeah, like, um, you you get a new cast of characters when you go to Hawaii, but you still have some of the old cast of characters. So Nanbo was your original homeless homie. And uh, like one of his abilities still is like getting Mad Dog 4040 and lighting it on fire and blowing it in people's faces. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, which I love. Uh, it's it's stupid. Awesome. It's stupid, but I love it. Right. And he totally looks like a homeless 40 year old. Um so like uh I think complete with socks and sandals too. Um so like that goofy atmosphere around it is still there, but like it carries a much darker tone than the first game. Contrasting with a really bright and colorful and goofy thing going on, right? Um and so far it's really enjoyable and I like it's that it's so ADD. Like there's a this whole dating game that you have He's like super hung up on this girl, but there's somebody who's like, oh, yeah, you should try dating online, right? And uh, it'll say hot pick received, and it'll be like a picture of the person's hand. And it's a real picture of somebody's hand. And then <laughs> like it's it's super goofy. It'll be like a picture of their knee. Um, and like you get bonus points. Like I was genuinely laughing out loud at this stuff. Like it was encouraging you to get over your uh, hung upness on somebody who doesn't really like you. Like the lady even comments, like, yeah, you're like a 40 something that has the uh, dating skills of like a 12 year old. So we're going to, uh, we're going to help you out with this dating app. And then, uh, yeah, it's super funny. Um, I, I like a lot of things about this game. Um, I, I'm enjoying myself better than Persona 3, mostly because of the craziness. I do like the, the video gameness of it, right? Like it's not self serious at all. Um, and I'm just having a blast, even though like there are long points of like locking you out of a safe state, a safe state because you've got to watch like 10 minutes of cutscene because it wants to put on some exposition for you to just kind of uh, figure things out. But uh, that's a review in progress. Like that's going to take me a while to get through. Um, but I, I like playing it and. I like parts of Persona too. Like maybe it gets better. Like I feel like Persona is like such a slow burn. Like I'm just not understanding something. But I, again, I'm looking at it from I'm looking at it from the perspective of an adult, right? As a kid playing Persona, and I'm sure there's a lot of people playing this with a lot of nostalgia tinted glasses, right? Mm -hmm. Like I would be really into role playing some of this stuff, right? But I'm just doing button presses to get a thing in my head now. Right. Like I have zero interest in that role play at this point. 
So I'm doing button presses to do a thing to advance the day to get me back to that dungeon and be more effective. And I do care about parts of the story because the part of the story of like the extra hour of the day when the demons come out and like kill people and cause havoc and all that stuff is really neat. Uh, the part where I have to go to school and take tests is really stupid. And the part where I have to be part of the track team, which really amounts to me having a conversation with somebody and then having a follow-up conversation after I ran, which is like two paragraphs worth of text, which that whole interaction like takes a minute, um, is not that interesting. No. Um, so we'll just see, right? Like it's something I can very easily play while I'm talking to my girlfriend. So like, we'll see how that works, but Yakuza, like uh, infinite wealth is so much more interesting to me. And if you're looking for a weird RPG, um, where it literally every system is new to you, like there's nothing, there's not any other games that are doing things like this game is. I can understand why it, the appeal, because it's just so over the top. Um, <laughs> you know, like there's a whole class that deals with being drunk. Like that's a whole class style. Um, <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's, it's like somebody who grew up playing video games was like, looked at life through a video game lens and then created a game out of it. It's, it's like playing D and D with like current day stuff and themes. It's very bizarre. But literally nobody else is doing this. Um, it's one of the most original games I've ever played, and I think that's why I like it. I don't know. I, it's it's all every time I've looked at it, I was like, I don't know if I'd like this kind of, that kind of game. It's, it's just, worth it I, just I playing like a dragon and then see if you like like a dragon, and then if you get sucked into like a dragon, which is also a really good game. Um, then this is it the was logical follow up. Hilarious to. Uh, I, to a degree that's hard to explain. Yeah, um, like, like a dragon is just, on Game like Pass. A dragon just gets so absurd in weird places that it's just like. There, there's interact. How did you even think of this? Yeah, like a dragon's cool because the way you change classes is you go to the unemployment office and you change jobs, and it's a job, right? You change jobs to a different type of job. Like, I think prostitute is one of the jobs, or what do they call it? Um, uh, escort. Geisha. Right. Like escort. the escort. Yeah. Escort's one of the jobs, and you've got a whole ability tree tied to the escort. And then if you change jobs again, if you have knowledge of that other job, you can keep some of those abilities you got as an escort over to your other tree. Um, <laughs> there was a whole real estate mini game with that, as well as you built up your, your empire. Um, like it's it's got a lot of stupid mini games that are fun, um, but the moment to moment's fun, and I like the fact like I wish Final Fantasy would do this. So instead of being completely real time, you know, combat locked into an arena, the way they handle it is like you've got a block button, so you basically time your blocks and you take less damage, and you can move around within this circle. And if your character within this circle is next to something, he can grab and throw. Right, then you can grab and throw that and use that as a weapon. Um, or if the enemy's on the ground, if you get your turn and you're able, if you select your ability fast enough, just a basic attack, then you get extra damage for him being on the ground. You go over there and like curb stomp him or something, right? Um, you get it. I don't know if it's in like a dragon, but in infinite wealth, like if you have a character in front of another character, 
Like, I can do a basic attack and, like, drop kick him into the other character, and that other character behind him takes damage. Um, and you can, of course, like, strategize a little bit, too, um, and spend your time. But if you spend too much time, like, you'll miss those opportunity attacks. Um, but you still have the uh, ability of going through, you know, a ability will, essentially, of, like, which thing should I do? But it keeps you engaged with, I've got a block when people hit me. Um, and I need to take advantage of when I have advantageous attacks. And then when I don't have that, then, then I'll use my attacks that kind of got to wind up. Like, there's a little bit of quick time events. So, like, one of my baseball bat attacks, right, like, I have to hit Y at a certain point to get maximum damage out of it. Um, one of my characters has Tonfas, and I have to hit Y at, like, three key points while that ability is going on to get maximum damage. Like, it'll still do damage, but I'll get way better damage if I time the button presses. Nice. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, yeah. the the first game's all about dismantling the Yakuza, and this other game is about rebuilding his life all over again so far, and deals with the Yakuza again. Uh, and Ichiban is like admittedly an idiot. And uh, oh yeah, he sees himself as a fucking white knight, and yeah, that's he's a gangster, like. Yeah, like, the the deal with Ichiban is, like, he's in his 20s and goes to jail for 18 years for the Yakuza and comes out and then tries to disband the Yakuza and then get people jobs that were ex-Yakuza. Um, oh, jeez. Like, get them normal jobs, right? Because there's this whole thing in Japan where there's a five-year five penalty where they can't own property or a bank account um, or get normal sales, phone service. And so that prevents them from, like, reintegrating into society. And so, like, that's his whole thing. He runs a job office and gets ex-Yakuza members jobs, like, kind of under the table, so to speak, for kind of normal things. But again, those jobs, I don't remember all of them, right, or even a fraction of them, but, like, let's just say it's, like, janitor. Now you got to arm yourself with a mop, and then you get abilities that deal with that, right? Um, I had a guy in a, with a wheelchair with me, and he provided support abilities by encouraging me. So I got, like, attack and defense, and then he would throw, like, healing items at me. Um, but he couldn't attack. He was in a wheelchair. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, That's, it's such yeah, a, it's, it's a, it's a super original game. I really like it. Okay. Uh, so I, I guess I'll give it a try. You I just, mean, I'm just trying to scrolling through shit right now. And I'm like, eh, I don't know if I want to do this. You could always, like I said, you could always, I feel like it's a better version of like a dragon, but if you're like super unsure, I would say try Like a Dragon off Game Pass because talking a 70, 80 hour epic and just know that there are points of it that are very slow and then it does speed up. There's a whole bunch of cutscenes in both games. Um, it takes a minute to kind of take off. But okay. well. the, I enjoyed the moment to moment six hours. It was just like, okay, when are you going to like take me off the main quest? No, we're still doing this. Okay, we're still on the main quest. <laughs> this game's huge, I guess. Yes. I, I, I'm i downloading it now, so I, I, I guess I'll, uh, I'll I'll give it a shot here, and if I like it, then I'll probably, you know, dip into in Infinite Wealth when I, uh, when I get around to it. Um, it it I think will make you laugh out loud so many times just from its absurdity. Yeah, I think Like a Dragon's a super solid game. Like, I think... I don't remember what the timing was when I was playing it. Like, I fell off during the very last part of that game. 
um, something else had come out that I really liked. Um, and I just yeah. didn't end up finishing it because of timing, but I was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready. I don't really want to get 65, 70 hours into this again, just to see that last little part. I think I'm just going to try this other game because I did like this a lot. You know, a better oh. mind space. And again, I think the newer one kind of surpasses the old one in every way. And that's saying a lot. Like, it's just, it's a good game. Yeah, I'm I'm just, like, currently, I'm sitting here going through the um, uh, the list of games that, uh, you know, that are, come, you know, that have come out, like the top sellers list on Steam. And I'm like, not interested, not interested, not interested. I mean, that's where I was, too. Like, I'm interested in Helldivers, and that comes out. Speaking of which, you can find the key on uh, Green Man for, like, 18% yes. off. Yep. Which brings it to like thirty-two dollars or something. Yeah, Helldivers. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic for Helldivers has this uh, has a reputation for being a hard game just to be hard, and it's not a um, uh, that's. I'm gonna look at the single player review. Um, yeah, because how often are me and you gonna get together to play it? I mean, let's be realistic. It's it's, it's you I. I Look, I'm once every three weeks. I'm available. I'm just most of the time invisible. <laughs> so, all right. Um, I'll pick it up for thirty-two dollars. Well, we'll see. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's go ahead and take a break. All right, y'all. We'll be back. back oh my god oh Woo. my god it's a thing that happened just now <laughs> it was like a 30 minute break hey it's a thing <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do oh you, you know yeah you gotta poop the dog um uh, she didn't you, it's still too wet outside she did eat though oh well i mean I usually the way that this happens is she eats enough food that it just pushes the other food back out Right, so she she fills her guts, and then she's like, "Oh, I got to empty my guts again." And she's she's too damn prissy. She's too much of a goddamn princess to go outside when it's raining, when there's you know too much wind, um, or the barometrical conditions have to be correct. Yes, uh, and the the world must be aligned with some some form of star. Uh, she she has she's very picky, um, very picky dog. Sometimes I wonder if that's not like just a a short hair pit bull thing because uh, ours is that way too. And see, I just vicious dogs, vicious dogs that have you know no concern for any a, a, any form of life whatsoever. Too damn prissy to go outside when it's raining. I don't know. She's been a snapping well, turtle lately. It's, it's because. The water's attacking them. That's why they don't like baths either. Mm. Uh, I but, see. But like, if you like, we took we took the dogs out to the lake last summer, and you know, if the kids were in the water, 
he would go in the water. Well, of but course, it was, it's safe for the kids, right? But but it's a lake, right? The water's not falling on him. He's stepping into it. There's a difference. I apparently. guess. I don't know. He, he won't go any further than his... The second his chest hit the water, though, mm. he'd scramble back up to the shore. Um, the the dog and I have a have a, a similar feeling about lakes, I guess. Yeah, I like lakes. I'm not a big fan. Not a big fan at all. Nope. Boss wanted me to get scuba certified, and I just laughed at him. Like, I won't even it's, get into a fucking swimming pool. What the hell's wrong with you? Uh, scuba sucks. <laughs> I did it when I was a teenager. That was a Boy Scout. I had, and, you know, we live in an area where it's it's not, it's not the same as living, like, in a coastal area, right? Like, there's a lot of lakes, but mm-hmm. we had oh, to go, money. yeah, we had to go to the middle of uh, Keystone Lake, real close to the city that's, like, flooded out. And we had to go, so you put on all your gear, right? And they take you down like freaking 75 feet and then take off your gear in the dark and put it back on. And it's fucking terrifying. Um, mm-hmm. See, whereas... And it's cloudy and dark. You can barely see your hand without the light. Like, it was everything I could do being slightly claustrophobic to not just freak out. It's just like, I got to get through this because I got to get my gear back on. I can only hold my breath for like two minutes. Mm. Well, it's a little bit different in uh, in in Michigan. Um, you have to try to find a uh, a place that has uh, cloudy. You know, I mean, there is there there are muddy you know lakes and shit, right? But most of the stuff is all clear. So, you know, you can you can pretty much see what you're. Uh, you see what you're doing around here, but I still won't because being able to see the bottom of the lake doesn't help me. <laughs> it only makes things worse. See, I wish we had more lakes like that around here. Yeah, and, clear water. And I never minded scuba. Um, scuba. I never did enough to get certified, but I've been a few times and. I actually quite enjoyed it. I think that's part of the reason why I've adapted to the whole CPAP thing so quickly is because that didn't bother me. Can't do it. Won't do it. Not going to happen. And that's almost exactly what a CPAP mask feels like. Scuba. Scuba. I couldn't do it. Every time I think about CPAPs, I think like I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to roll over in the middle of the night. I'm going to friggin' choke myself out. <laughs> well, that's because you roll like a burrito. I know. I, I just the, roll. I roll from one side to the other. Oh, no. Back and forth. I, so. I death roll like a fucking crocodile. <laughs> yeah. That, that's why they make masks with the hose connection up top on a full spinny. <laughs> so I have... <laughs> I've got a little spinner at the top of my head. So yeah, great. So you can't uh, awesome. death roll. Yeah. So, so you know, you can't death roll yourself with your Vader hose. 
I can't. No. <laughs> no. So, it is now that part of the time of uh, the, the podcast where we do newsish kind of shit. News. We, News, uh, announcements, video games, video games, it's coming in the, in the near, near, near future. Yeah, we, we had spoke before. Um, we've got, um, well, let's go with something that's bigger. Satisfactory is coming out with 1.0 this year. Fuck. Damn, son of a bitch. That game is fucking huge. Um, it has been in early access for three years. Oh, it's been a while. Um, and I can't even remember when I bought it. Uh, it's, it's uh, 2021. 2021. 2021. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I bought it when it first came out uh, in early access, and I sank probably about 100 hours into that game in its first iteration. You know, they didn't have a date on it. They just said that it's coming out finally. It's, yeah. Uh, so if you liked factorio satisfactory is basically factorio but in 3d and and on things, steroids i like it things, better actually oh god i mean there is a lot of shit i mean you can take the same concepts that you learn from factorio and apply them to uh you know to satisfactory such as having bus belts and throughput on uh on different belts and things like that you would end up working out the numbers so that you can have you know basically fully saturated belts and having things running at maximum efficiency yada 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 right um the that game has been tweaked and touched and moved and things have changed and new biomes have been added and fucked around with and it is not a randomly gen generated map it is a you know it's a tailored map like this is hand built you know but everything about that map has like different place places for you to to do things and everything is hand built like there isn't like a a template or a you know like a rubber stamp that you can put down for you know for shit because it does it won't work you know hardly anything is flat in that game so you have to build your flat you know it's it takes a lot of planning it, it takes a lot of work uh to uh you know to get things to work right but when it works man it is beautiful just to sit back and watch that shit like having vertical factories is something that you know i haven't seen done very well before and nothing really had done it before satisfactory uh but you can you know you can have the bottom floor be the tier one version of the you know of your production and then have all that shit piped up to the second floor for the tier two version of that and pipe it up to the third floor for the tier three and so on and so forth so that you can like have one massive stack of a factory with all of the machines running uh you know building everything that you need to do it's it's so nice when it happens 
for your work. Ah, sorry. Uh, sneaky yawn there. Um, but man, that game is, uh, it's, it is work and it is a per- perfect marriage of work and play. If you like math, you like, uh, you would like these games. Um, because it really does force you to use math to, uh, to figure it out. Um, but yeah, um, I last time I played that game was probably two years ago. Yeah, I I got it on Epic, and uh, I said, you know what, I'm up to that point now in you know in this development that I want just to see what the 1.0 looks like. What are they gonna do? What what is what is their finished product? Will there be an uh like a win condition? You know. Like uh, Factorio had, you know, shoot, you know, shoot off a rocket. That's your win condition, right? You can continue continue to play after that, but that's your win condition. There really wasn't much of a win condition to Satisfactory, so I wanted to see that. And uh, man, that's kind of exciting. It's supposedly this year, but who knows when? So. I don't know, man. That's that's one of the many games this year that I'm really looking forward to. Well, there's another game coming out pretty quickly in March 19th called Light Your Frontier. I've been watching this one for a couple of years, too. Yeah, it's a, a farming game on an alien world where you do all of that with a mech, and it looks neat and uh, zen, and I'm pretty... I'm all for it. Um I think if you pre-order it, you can play a demo of it right now. Um, I'm going to play it on Game Pass. I'm, I feel like this year I'm going to get a lot of uh, a lot of money's worth out of my Game Pass. Yeah. So front, front your frontier or light your frontier is um, it's basically uh, it's uh, it's uh, the is it. Love, Death, and Robots, or whatever the fuck it is, uh, from yeah. Netflix. Uh, they had a uh, they had a short that was very much that had that that feeling of Lightyear Frontier, like uh, something had you know one thing had just spawned the other, or vice versa, you know. Um, but basically, it's yeah, just good old boys on a fucking you know alien planet, you know, farming with mechs. <laughs> and you know having to protect uh, protect their farmland from alien fauna um so that's i can't fucking wait dude it's that that could be that could be a whole lot of fun yeah there were some stories about a witcher remake right and apparently they're talking about doing a big overhaul of a lot of the game which in my mind is not is is necessary the combat in Witcher one is awful um i don't oh, think you you're don't like the extra stances yeah and then just clicking and timing your clicks for your sword swings like it's stupid what what it uh what? that and i think the uh the horror trading cards right for everybody you bang you get a trading card's probably not something it should release nowadays like i, I actually mean? agree with that <laughs> what do you mean what do you mean like i can see both those things being polished out no pun intended. 
Um, <laughs> but it'll be done in, in uh, Unreal 5, but it's not going to be until after Witcher 4, and Witcher 4 is going into production this year. So I expect to see this by the time we're in our 50s. Maybe. It's, it's one of it those takes things them like, that... It takes them about three or four years to make a game, which is understandable. Well, the the original Witcher... Um, I mean, the original Witcher is definitely dated, right? Oh, yeah. It came out in uh, 2007. Like, think right. it's it's almost 20 years ago. And I played it when That's it sad. was brand fucking new. I um, did, too. It was 17 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. The I mean, even for the time... The, it was uh, a little the bit cringy. Cards were a little, a uh, little much. They were a little on the nose. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I didn't understand anything about The Witcher other than the fact that, like, what the game shows you, right? Um, you know, you're you're a mutant. You are killing. Uh, you are killing monsters, right? I didn't know anything about The Witcher prior to that. Didn't know there was a book series. Nothing. I uh, didn't know what the Wild Hunt was. And honestly, if you think about it, if you look back at the, you know, the first five minutes of that game, it, it shows Geralt running from the wild hunt. So, you know, that makes Witcher 3 being like the full circle situation, right? Right. Uh, so it's, it's interesting to see that, uh, but it, it definitely needs to be updated. Uh, if they could go with the new Unreal, uh, and uh, and kind of flesh out the world a bit more, give uh, give girl you know much better attack capabilities, uh, probably, you know better than uh, Witcher Three, it would be a, a it'd be a worthy entry into that. Though I almost guarantee you that it's going to be like oh look witcher 2 needs to be updated now yada 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 yeah, but at that point it'll be like almost 20 years since witcher 2 was made and as I'll long as they're always in the 70s yeah as long <laughs> as they're always updating something while they're making something i'm okay yeah it's 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 uh it's all right i mean yeah witcher 2 was also uh, i don't know witcher 2 felt weird to me I like Witcher just 2 a lot. because, huh? I liked Witcher Two quite a bit. Well, I Witcher Two had a great battle. story. I liked the branching story right in the middle after the battle on figuring out who you were going to side with. Right. No, it had a really great story, but it felt like, um, it felt like a, well, it actually felt like a book. It had like chapters, right? Um, instead of having a you know an open world experience or, you know, a, you know, an experience where you just kind of like, you know, move on at your own pace. It had a chapter and then you moved on from that chapter and you didn't, you know, you wouldn't go back to that chapter. You know, it's, it, it, it was, it was two on rails for me for a Witcher game. Well, so, well, Witcher three came out as the only one that's not on rails. I know, but it, it just felt, I don't know, Witcher 2 felt weird just because of how it felt like it was on rails from the very beginning. Witcher 1 didn't feel like that because you still had like 
it, it had an area, you explored that area, you moved on, right? That's fair. So it was one of those, it was, yeah. it just felt odd. But also too, I, I think, um, one, the Witcher two, as far as the, the, you know, the map size, what they could include, they were, they were probably engine limited for, for how good they were making the game look. Oh, um, for sure. Um, yeah, um, they have. And, I was going to the the fo- the entire story is supposed to be a race to end the plot, right? So I don't I didn't ever feel like I was on rails because you know, you knew the you knew finding the assassin and later stopping the stopping the the lodge was um it was all time sensitive well yeah, it just felt like it it didn't feel quite like the witcher that i was like looking for what what um, i was originally going to get at is just the uh release timeline so you got 2007 for Witcher, Assassins of Kings, which is two, and 2011, so four years, four years for Wild Hunt, or for uh, Witcher 3, five years for Cyberpunk, right? And they've been doing patches and trying to fix their image with that for four years, basically. And now we're in post-production or pre-production stage for Witcher 4. So I'd imagine we get it sometime in 2028, and then we get that remaster in 2030. So six years from now, I'll be uh, forty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I right, don't know. So. I don't know about that on the remaster because they started working on that before Witcher Four was even. Confirmed. It's it's not even confirmed to uh, release until after Witcher Four. Right. Yeah. It's it's one of those. I think they announced it eventually, but I don't know that they've done much to it. But like that's they're not a they are a pretty big studio now, so maybe their turnaround time's a little faster, but. Um, I guess we'll see, right? Like, I guess I'm going to be close to 50 by the time we get another CD Projekt Red title. <laughs> I've been playing these games since my, my 20s. Right. Um, moving on, Damn. PlayStation State of Play was a thing, right? Um, yes. just very quickly going through some of the stuff that's not as part as big as the bigger news. Um, Helldivers 2, we already kind of talked about that. We were looking at that next week. Mm-hmm. Um, game called Stellar Blade was shown, and that was like a wasteland monster hunt, monster hunter, hunting of like big creatures kind of game. Sonic Front Shadow or Sonic Shadow Generations. Um, trying to think the uh, Dave the Diver X Godzilla release. So another oh, crossover. God. I just finished Dave the Diver. That game's fantastic, but mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm going to go back. V Rising is going to come to PlayStation, which been waiting on that game to actually finish to get back into it. Um, you could play for free on PlayStation Plus Silent Hill to Short Message, which was kind of like a spiritual successor to PT. Um, so a short, quick experience. Silent Hill mm-hmm. 2 Remake was teased. That's actually not a bad idea. That came out when I was in high school. Um, Judas, which is, uh, 
what's that douchebag's game name again? Ken Levine. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's basically just doing Bioshock again. I guess we'll just see what happens. It's yeah, it's Bioshock. Just not called Bioshock because he doesn't own the rights to it anymore after Take Two. Right. And he's been through like two different studios trying to make games, but everybody thinks he's an asshole. Um, can confirm in real life, dude's an asshole. I don't care. <laughs> um, Metro Awakening VR was teased for PlayStation VR for later this year. Um, I want to go through that fucking you know that experience of in my face fucking you know <laughs> in my <laughs> face subway tunnels with fucking like VR headsets and shit jumping out at me. Fuck that. Yeah, but I mean, the if it one comes... tunnel with all the spiders, oh. and you have a lighter. Yep, no, never, never mind. Yeah, you just sealed the deal. I'm never playing that game. <laughs> um, we already knew about Dragon's Dogma Two that comes out in about a month and a half. I can't wait, dude. Um, so many Teen, games, man. Teen Ninja doing Rise of Ronin, which is a samurai style game open world which kind of looks pretty neat did you see the the actual combat though it uh, was very jerky I it, I it, it was it wasn't bad but it felt very not polished like in a world after fucking you know uh ghosts uh of tsushima right right well it's it's just like a bowed was saying they were inspired by Dark Tide for their combat, and that's what they've been studying for their combat. And then they showed trailers of their combat, and I was like, "That doesn't look the same, guys." No. And then I watched a video of like how many hundreds of animations they go through for to simulate the weight and type of damage that's happening with each of the melee weapons in Dark Tide. And I was like, "Yeah, good luck, about guys. I hope it comes out like that, or even like mm-hmm. half that cool." But like, I just don't see it. So. It'll be on Game Pass. I love Obsidian, but it might be a janky-ass game, and I hope not. Um, The big thing, though, for me was uh, Death Stranding 2. I think all three of us watched that trailer. Oh, my God. That, uh, the mini movies that fucking Kojima puts out are amazing. Yeah, I didn't bother watching, putting it on audio, but that is a Kojima-ass game. The guy with the guitar gun um, Dude. is so dorky, but so video gamey the, so the weird like Kojima like it's... the weird little Alan Wake guy on that girl's shoulder like what the fuck yes. is that yes the, the fact that it's all like stop motion while everything else is not um uh, <laughs> I uh this is there everything about fucking you know Kojima everything has you know, and I said it. And I said I think I said it best on break. You, you go into a Kojima game, you have to wipe your mind clean and just accept his reality. Because if you go in with any pre- you know preconceived notions, it's gonna melt your brain. It's not gonna make any sense, and you're probably just gonna go. You know, you're gonna bounce off of it. Just, but just realize in, it. Just realize that Kojima takes himself seriously and thinks that like this is real life and this is realistic. Hmm. And that, and, but it's and not. Might... And he takes himself so seriously that I don't know if it's for comedic effect, but it certainly plays off for comedic effect. Just, I, just like the right. random piss bombs you had in Death Stranding, like, right? What the fuck? Exactly. Like, 
this makes sense. It makes total sense. It makes sense to an in his in his brain to a high level to a high level like a highly functioning autistic person. Yes, Yes. like him coming up with his own gun kata combat. Like way back in the day, I hit that several times on the show of Mm -hmm. like coming up with a fake Krav Maga that he practiced on his own. I just see this big dork like just. I'm going to make up my own martial art and this is how it'd work in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's incredibly creative. He is completely in like video game insanity world though. Um, which just works. So some of the most creative people in the world are not quite right in the head. <laughs> and, and I have uh, a feeling that he just isn't, but like, as long as you realize that everything's going to be played off really seriously while becoming, mm-hmm. being incredibly absurd, then you can accept it, right? Like once I got past the super literal part of my brain that was like, this is taking itself seriously and I can't take it seriously because this is all incredibly unrealistic. Um, right. Then I started having fun with Kojima games, but it took me 20 years to get to a point where I really like Kojima games. Dude, I mean, some of the best ones you know, that, you know, that come out. Phantom you know, Liberty is awesome. Last, you know, 10, 15 years. Is Earth. Just, you know, um, yeah, not Phantom know, Liberty, Phantom Limb. Is it Phantom Limb? Phantom, what's uh, Phantom Pain? Phantom Pain, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Metal Gear 5. That game's awesome. Yeah. And that game was. <laughs> There's a point in that game where you just game, starting off. And that game had some trippy ass fucking moments. Yeah, yeah, the three hours before you get started in the big blue whale that's chasing you. Exactly. That moment. That blue whale moment was like, okay, everything that go that comes after this, it's it's an acid trip. This is this is you you're smoking peyote. It's it took me two years to like, get into that game because I thought it was so dumb, and then I finally replayed it and it's like, okay, this game's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, and I and I enjoyed the fuck out of that. I've game. almost I, I almost replayed that recently again. Uh, and I keep thinking about replaying it because it's so goddamn good. Um, but yeah, Death Stranding two, fucking it, you know, Death Stranding two on the beach. If you know, there's a ten minute, you know, Kojima ass trailer out there. Watch the entire thing. If you played through the entirety of Death Stranding, you will pick up things from that. Of uh, you know, from the. Uh, the trailer that will just like you, you you're gonna be shaking your head and going what at the end of it and uh, yeah it's I can't I it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun time yeah who it's, thought again uh, who thought a game about being a post apocalyptic UPS driver would be fun it's not it's it's, it's extremely not, reductive. It's just it's a lot more than the sum of its parts. But like that's right. the core it's gameplay. It's not the game that it's not the gameplay that you know that drove me to you know to continue. It was all of the random fuckery that that game throws at you that made me want more. Like yeah, I'm gonna take this package from point A to point B, and I'm gonna build roads, and I'm gonna do all these things, right? It's everything that happens in between. It's the emergent gameplay that they give you in between all of that that makes that game good. It's just that's the travel mechanic of getting through the game. It's it's the you know you can only get this item by delivering a pizza with you know within fifteen minutes, 
and you can't tip the pizza or get it wet. Uh, yeah. You know, so you can't have the pizza fall over or you even tip more than 45 degrees uh, or get it wet so you can't walk through water. It, that kind of stuff. It's like, okay. What? <laughs> They've got little things, little systems built into the game that, you know, that can give you challenges. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I will. I will give just one mini review of something that I started playing and then pretty quickly stopped. So during the winter sale on Epic, I picked up Assassin's Creed Mirage. That game's way too easy. The game's incredibly way too easy. It is, uh, it's one button kill the game. And I never thought that that would be a problem with Assassin's Creed supposed to assassinate the stealth super easy. Um, and you've got a whistle command, so literally you can hide behind some boxes, right? you got to clear out a whole camp, and then you just whistle, and then people come into your death trap, and because they can't see around corners, you just assassinate them. And I cleared out this whole village of guards literally whistling behind a box. <laughs> I had a pile of bodies behind a box because I was just sitting there whistling. And I have it, like I switched the difficulty, right, to harder. It's still a one-button kill. Like, that would break the game if it wasn't. But, like, that's the game is one-button kill. And then further on in the game, you get the ability of, like, double assassinate, which is double you slow time, and then you highlight two enemies, and then you you insta-kill them, like, from a perch. And it's, it's just one-button kill the game. It's so easy. Like, I got bored of it after, like, ten hours, and I was just like, I don't want to really want to complete this. Like, I'm really glad I bought this for 20 bucks, but I don't even want to play this anymore. So I've already uninstalled it. Um, Damn. Not worth your time. Valhalla is a way better game. Way more meat on its bones. I know that seems like untenable, but if that or the one in Egypt, um, Odyssey, or not Odyssey, Odyssey, I just don't like for some reason, but Origins. Origins or Valhalla, the only two like good modern Assassin's Creed games right now. Anyways, I just thought I'd throw that out real quick. I saw an article about Assassin's Creed something or other, Japan or whatever. And then I thought back to Mirage, and I was just like, man, that was, is it Mirage? Yeah, it's Mirage. Yeah, it's just a total waste of my time. I don't even want to play it anymore. So, I wish it had been less than 20 bucks. That's kind of how I feel about all Assassin's Creeds these days. I mean, that's not dissimilar to the way I felt about Black Flag, you know, just because it kind of... It was cool because you could pilot a ship. It was cool because you could pilot a ship, but then everything outside of that just felt um, so far removed from, uh, from everything because you didn't really even have cities that you traversed not really um so yeah it, that's disappointing but not unexpected but anywho i don't really have much other news i just thought the death stranding thing looked really interesting i know it'll be on pc and if it it was optimized to a ridiculous degree on pc it was yeah um it, i'm looking forward to that same experience again when it comes out yeah. was it this year or next year it's uh, 2025. Okay, that's fine. With Kojima, he's he's one of the few people 
uh, still in the gaming industry that's gonna you know that's gonna say it comes out when it's ready. You know, so um, so twenty twenty five is when it's uh, currently slated, but not necessarily when. Um, that's perfectly fine. Uh, with a Kojima game, I know I'm gonna get you know damn good quality out of it. You know, it's just the way that you know uh, him his studio does you know does work. So. All right. Well, Jason, where can you find us? Find us at tiltcast.com. Find us on Facebook and twitter.com slash tiltcast. Our YouTube channels, youtube.com slash the real tiltcast, and search for us on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe. Find friends of the show. You've got For the Love of Gaming. You've got bmfcast.com and tvgp.tv. They do more waifu than I do. And with that, it's the end of the show. All right. Peace. Peace.